Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. Sisters Talk Brothers in the new year, where we discuss fake brothers doing fake things on fake horror shows, all family style. Yes, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, happy Kwanzaa, uh, happy and Hanukkah? Hanukkah, happy new year, all of the holidays. Happy all of it. Happy. All of the candle nights. And the candle night. Mm-hmm. Primarily the candle nights. Yeah, and sorry for all the dodgy uh, programming scheduling these last couple of weeks. We are not yet uh, famous enough to be monetarily compensated for all of this, and some of us had wackadoodle Christmas schedules trying to, you know, eke out a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I think we have a plan in place where we will... Get ahead of schedule once more so that we can be on schedule. Yes. Da, 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 da. I feel like a superhero saying that we will be on schedule. <laughs> Hannah, you have to admit, I'm a pretty fantastic pen. <laughs> yeah. Except when I can't talk. <laughs> Hannah, you have to admit, I'm a pretty fantastic actress. You are a pretty fantastic actress. Having, like, done almost zero acting in my whole life. <laughs> Oh, come on. You did, um, that movie, you wrote, you wrote the screenplay in college, and then you and Spargo made the movie. I love that movie. Billy. I forgot about that for the, okay, yeah, when you you said we're going to talk about our acting stories, I definitely forgot about the whole movie Movie that I wrote and helped, helped direct and starred in. Oh, you know that video was used by uh, one of the college professors at our college uh, as a demonstration film for some of his classes, and I never got the full details on what he was using it to demonstrate, but I'm pretty sure it was a big (laughs) how-to-not-make movies. Oh, Um, no, it was a good movie. I loved it. Uh, considering we made it on a budget of zero dollars and used locations such as the free <laughs> atrium of the science building and an office at the salon that I worked at in <laughs> 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 our own house. Yeah. No, that was that was fun. Not what I was going to talk about, but thanks for bringing up that reminder. I forgot. About I mean, that that's for when I like decided on our topic for today like i had your movie in mind and like this one play i was in or i was let's i was in a few like three i've been in three plays well tell me about this play you've been in one of these plays 
Well, the one I'm most proud of, I think it was called The Adventures of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I played this woman named Baroness Braun, and my daughter in the play, um, Hilda, she had gotten a gift from Santa, mm-hmm. but he was just some random guy in town. This was like the early, early times of Santa, and mm-hmm. my character, Baroness Braun, was livid. She was like this angry woman, and I took her role as protective of her child, and that's where her anger mm-hmm. came from, because she threw the doll down and was like, don't be taking toys from strangers. Mm-hmm. And I got this lovely red gown from the thrift store up the road. I was so proud. I was probably just in middle school, but I was really proud of that role. We have to admit that, one, costuming is the best part of playing any role. It yes. absolutely is. And two, I adore the fact that you were like looking into motive for your character. That's beautiful and I adore it. Well yeah, because like there there yeah. there's always a reason behind people's behavior. And I'm like, she's not just an angry woman. She's an angry mm-hmm. mother. Exactly, yeah. I love it. Uh, the story I had thought of, I'm not going to get into because we already did one for me, but the person I did, I did not think deeply about it at all because I was literally playing, like, the dumb character. I was playing the the hussy of the show, and it was a play we did for Halloween for my church. <laughs> And what was really funny was uh, my pastor was playing in the role as well, and she was the angry wife who was accusing me of trying to steal her husband. And meanwhile, I'm, like, there, like, calling my preacher names in front of the church and God and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I put on this really, like, high-pitched, like, how dare you talk to me like that? I have feelings too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish they could find the video for that. Anyways, you should you uh no, uh your wife sent me um a little video of that. You were great. It's all about the accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, our boys don't do any acting, but they are on set in season 2. Episode 18, Hollywood Babylon. You know, I never watched that Babylon show Hmm. until it was too late and I tried to watch it and it was just too old for me to get into. But I'm sure if I really sat down Hmm. and tried, they had great hair. (laughs) Well, Hannah... They fucking did it again. Dang. Again! This is like the third time this season? In what season? What? What season? They are yet again not doing a recap. Like, come on, guys. Consistency. Like, it's even starting to get on my nerves now. (laughs) God. I mean, how are we even supposed to know who these two tall buff boys are? They could be anybody. What are they even doing in Hollywood? I don't know. Who even is Madison? Why is Sam sad about her? I don't know. I didn't watch it last week. (laughs) Yeah. 
I hope it's, we have a recap next episode. It's annoying when it's there, and it's more annoying. More annoying. It's more annoying when it's not there. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> if we go three in a row with no recap, then I think we have to disavow recaps entirely and skip all recaps going forward in our review. That's a lie. We wouldn't do that, but it. We couldn't do that. A strongly worded letter to CW or something. <laughs> So let's get into the meat of the sode, since we didn't have an appetizer. <laughs> Our episode begins with a creepy cabin in the creepy woods in a creepy swing on the creepy porch. A lady walks out of the cabin carrying a flashlight and calling for her friends Mitch and Ashley. She's spooked when Brody grabs her shoulder to tell her the other people are dead. We have got to find my sister. No! She tells him to get his act together, but he says he's leaving and takes off. She yeah, calls him a son of a bitch. bitch after he's gone and finds herself alone. Something comes up on her and she screams, but it's like, awkward. As we see, she's screaming at a camera <laughs> and the director calls cut. She walks off set. <laughs> to, to, be f to be fair, she has a very deep voice. Yeah. And it is kind of hard to get a great horror movie scream with that you have to work extra hard for a scream at that level it's like ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah it's hard to get the full scream when your voice is that deep all right <laughs> cut her a break cut her slack give her a break cut, cut, her, cut, cut her, her a break, break. <laughs> that's that's not a phrase at all <laughs> cut her a kit kat <laughs> She doesn't like the snapped Kit Kats. You have to slice it. Finally slice. Mince my Kit Kat. Mince it. <laughs> Mince those Kit, Kit Kats for me. I would like minced Kit Kats and Snapple, please. The pink Snapple lemonade. in a glass bottle, by the way. Oh. Uh, Snapple in a glass champagne flute with a single minced Kit Kat floating <laughs> at the bottom. If you please. I'm not particular or anything, but I'm an actress. I need my sustenance. <laughs> she walks off set and the director comes up saying he loved it. But we have to go again because that scream was awful. She blames it on the tennis ball she has to scream. <laughs> it was the tits. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. Skip that. Go on. That was not even what the tits means. Man, I'm fucking impressed all over the today. <laughs> That scream was cool, but I hated it. <laughs> like tits. I hate tits. <laughs> it was the pits, though. It was. It was so deep. That scream was so deep. It was, it was literally in from the, the pits. pits. <laughs> the smelly, undeodorized pits. She blames it on the tennis ball she has to scream at instead of whatever CGI monster they'll have later. He starts to show her the concept sketches that look just like the Ghost Rider, and she's like, no thanks, I'll get it right. A PA calls for a 10-minute camera reload break, so she takes her Snapple and sits down next to the actor playing Brody, who's talking with the janitor about spooky stuff. The janitor thinks the set is haunted, and he may well be right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I don't know. Janitor says he leaves as quick as he gets done, and after saying so, he walks away from them. Bro the Brody actor says Janitor must be crazy, and she agrees. Later, our actor 
Tara is running her lines in the fake woods, trying to get that scream so good when she thinks someone is walking around in the woods with her. She's like, haha, funny guys. But then she actually finds a dead body, so she screams her little head off. Back on set, the director... <laughs> 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 yeah, just like, like that. that. <laughs> Back on set, the director says, you go, girl, as we oh. burn into the title cut. <sighs> I love her voice. I just love also that they went counter to like the genre of having the high pitched, like ear piercing mm-hmm. screaming girl and went with a woman who has deep, full throated voice. Yes. Yeah. It's unusual. And so I make joke. All right. So our boys are now on the set in LA. And you know that, one, the easiest way to get on the set, I mean, we all know this, is to go with a tour. And two, we also know that Dean and his geekiness was like, no, we can't go jump the fence. They have tours for $5 over there. We're getting a fucking tour. It's probably more like $20. He was like, you know what? I won really well at poker last night. We're getting a tour (laughs) of the studios. And so they're going around, and Dean is telling anybody that will listen to him all the facts that he knows, and the tour bus driver is like, over there's the Gilmore Girls, and all of the people who know the filmography of these two gentlemen are like, ah, Jared Padalecki was in Gilmore Girls, <laughs> it's so funny. And... Sam's like, I'm out of here. I don't want to hear anything about the Gilmore Girls. That was a period of my life that I am through and over with. I have moved on to bigger and better supernatural things. And as they're getting off the bus, you hear the tour guide lady going, and over here is Lois and Clark. And everyone's supposed to be like, ah, ha, 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 Jensen Ackles was in Smallville. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, anyway, so they find the stage nine. And I think that's, I guess that's the set they're looking for because that's where all the ghostly things are happening. And he's like, ooh, let's go over there. Ooh, let's go over there. And Sam's like, uh, no, we're here to do a job. And Dean's like, but I wanted a vacation. Yes. <laughs> this poor boy. He just that's wants a vacation. Wants. That's all he's been asking for. He's, <laughs> and he's like, look, it sucks. What happened with you and Madison I mean, truly, on so many fucking levels, it was horrendously fucked up. Uh, But also, maybe this is a good chance for us to get some good relaxing time, because you need it. No, you want to work. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And so they start working the case, and Sam's like, okay, so here's the case. And it blows my mind that these boys don't talk about the case before they arrive at the scene. (laughs) It never happens. So anyways, apparently rumors online are going crazy. This place is haunted. And Dean's like, oh, like Poltergeist. And Sam's like, yeah, totally. And Dean's like, did I, I did not raise you well enough, apparently. There are so many movie references in this episode. Like, even more movie references in this episode than werewolf references in Heart. I also did not list these. (laughs) Not all of them. I didn't count. (laughs) They, they really are, t- I mean, the whole, when Dean's complaining about wanting a vacation, because I actually did take some time to look into mm-hmm. the trivia. All the trivia sucked. Because it was all like, oh, this movie and this yes. movie and this movie. 
Um, Every other line is a movie yeah. reference. And, like, when he's like, yeah, and he's like, oh, I wanted, like, the swimming pools and movie stars, and that's from the mm-hmm. Beverly Hillbillies, which half of these things you just don't recognize out of context yeah. anyways. Anyways, so, dead guy on set, Frank Jaffe. And there's no death certificate or coroner's report because, well, one, they just got there. And two, you know, maybe that was a fake name because it's Hollywood. Eh, who knows? Um, but they do have the lady who saw the ghost and the dead body at the same time. And the lady's name is Tara Benchley. And Dean's like, oh, my God. Oh my god! The the Tara Benchley. I I mean, he basically goes Mr. Doctor Cowboy Boots on this lady. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Doctor Sexy. Why can't I think of Mr. Cowboy Doctor Sexy? Doctor Sexy with the cowboy boots. Doctor Sexy would never be seen without the cowboy boots. You're right. Yes. And so now that there is an actress that Dean is a fan of involved, now he's like, okay, yeah, let's go get on this case. Forget all of the tours. Forget the Matt Damon lookalike over there. We've got a mission, Sam. Come on, stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> so one eye roll later, they head on to they head on to Studio Nine. Real quick, I do love how even though we're only two seasons in so far and even looking into the future how consistent they are with not just like dean's love of pop culture but specifically dean's love of movies yes like you get the occasional tv show reference but his movie fandom especially the b horror fandom of his is consistent throughout it all i love it um and the actress who played tara benchley I don't know her name. I did not do this research. She is known for Beyond Borders, Clown, and The Watch. She was not in Fear.com, Ghost Ship, or Boogeyman. Although Boogeyman, I learned, was written by Mr. Kripke. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because... And that, that was, was the, the joke. joke. When she's like, oh, it was a terrible script. And that was the joke. You don't get the... You don't get the joke if you don't know the crew. <laughs> it's a bad move, writers. Like, the writers in the show, on the room were like, oh, ha, ha, this joke. Oh, ha, ha, this joke. Oh, ha, ha, this joke. But you don't get the joke. You don't get that this weather is practically Canadian unless you're obsessed you know with the show and know that it's filmed in Canadian. Canada, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> you don't get the Gilmore Girls reference unless... Which, I mean, what does it say about me that I did get all of that? Man. It's because of me that you get all that. Am I, uh, am I obsessed with Supernatural? You're, like, secondhand obsessed. I just absorb information once it's given to me. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt that when we were watching Supernatural, we had also just finished watching Psych, and we were like, oh, they're filmed in the same place! They have the same actors! <laughs> Baby, baby, baby. It's how we talk to each other when we're not on cam on yeah. mic. <laughs> we see a man, probably the producer. I'm not sure. Telling the director, we don't know TV roles. You think I'm wrong? We don't. We know. don't know TV roles. We don't know. He's telling the director that the movie is too depressing 
and to lighten things up a bit as the boys sneak on set. Shout out to the props department for making all of those Hellhazer hats and t-shirts yes. for this one episode yes. that will never be used again. I wouldn't mind having like one of the hats or t-shirts just because. Just because. Oh, I would wear the hell out of a Hellhazers t-shirt. Are you kidding me? Especially Hellhazers too. And people be like, oh, was the you know original really good? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it was the pits. <laughs> <laughs> the second one's the tits. <laughs> Dean gets mistaken for a PA as the man talking to the director asks him for a smoothie. Dean sputters, but Sam saves him by saying, one smoothie coming right up. They walk towards the craft services table, and Dean asks what a PA is, and Sam's like, they're slaves. <laughs> Dean comes back and is <laughs> handing out smoothies. Again, no, again, like, you need to understand the fucking business to even get that joke. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know the business, so I was like, I mean, are they? I don't... <laughs> I mean... I guess that's funny. Another word would be, like, a gopher. Like, go for this, go for that, get me this, get me that. No, I mean, no, Hannah, I get it. Okay. I'm just saying I'm, that, like... I over-explain. It's, it's okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying that it's one of those... Again, it's one of those inside jokes that mm. you only get if you are in the business. So all of the people watching who are clearly not in the business are like, Ha ha ha? Ha? Ha ha. 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 Dean comes back and is handing out smoothies when he stops to EMF the rafters. Just then, they start shooting a scene of the movie. The teens, well, they're not really teens. They're young adults. The young adults are reading from an old book in the cabin while Dean's EMF is quiet. I would really hope that they are not teens, considering how this episode ends. <laughs> yeah. Um... Also, real quick, going again. I'm sorry, going back to the whole people don't know the biz. But you, I did think going into this episode, having not watched it in a long ass time, that it was gonna be all Dean. Like, oh yeah, this is what this is, and this is what that is. I was not expecting clueless Dean. Yeah. But then that kind of just reinforces what I was saying, where you know you can know all the details and facts about the actors and the stories and blah blah blah, but you don't know the actual behind-the-scenes mechanics and the crews and the rosters and the schedules, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense that Sam, who actually lived in Cali, maybe absorbed some of that while lounging on the yachts with, you know, maybe a semi-famous actor or two. Yes. I'm just That's saying. Funny. It all makes sense when you think about it. <laughs> you just gotta think about it. You just gotta, like, put more work into it than the show deserves. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes together. <laughs> Back at the craft services table, Dean is telling Sam that the EMF got nothing, and being a PA sucked, but the food here is amazing. He offers a mini Philly cheesesteak to Sam, who declines. I cannot believe Sam declined. That looks so delicious. It did look delicious. Oh my god, I'm hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> All the food Dean eats this episode, I was just, like, mouth-watering. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't even hungry. I was just like, oh, that looks so good. <laughs> Maybe he makes it look good. Just just snapping on those taquitos. I'm like, Ugh, I just want to... Taquito! <laughs> Yo quiero taquito! <laughs> 
Dean asks what Sam got on the dead guy, and Sam says that Frank was just a fill-in that nobody really knew. Dean thinks he came up empty like him, but Sam says, no, get this. <gasps> he did research on stage nine and found that there's been four deaths over the years, two suicides and two fatal accidents. Dean says it sounds like a vengeful spirit. Sam agrees and says they got to narrow it down as Dean spots Tara. He says, I'll get right on that, as he walks over to her. He snatches some papers from another PA and offers one to her, asking if she's supposed to get one. All nervous and just fanboying all over himself. As she sips on a Snapple like a Snapple fiend. <laughs> we don't know much about her character, but we know she loves Snapple. Snapple and a champagne flute with some minced Kit Kat. She loves Snapple. Yes. <laughs> he tells her he's a huge fan, then asks her about finding the body. She says it was horrible and bloody and that she saw a shadowy figure. Dean asks if she knew the guy, and she says no. He's like, it's strange that nobody knew him, and she says he, she took his picture, like she does everyone on set. Dean sees the picture and says, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Which, that should have gotten a reaction from Tara. Yeah, it should have. Um, I like that she took pictures of the crew and stuff on set because... Uh, Supernatural does that. You'll notice when you watch the bloopers, at the end of the bloopers, they'll show a bunch of pictures of the cast, or of the crew, and that's really sweet. Well, apparently it's Mr. Ackles who does that. Aww. And that was, like, the joke, was that's what he would do to kill time between sh scenes. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, all the trivia was super boring and uninteresting. <laughs> <gasps> Alright, so we see the boys at the door. Not in priest costumes, so, you know, a little disappointing, but, mm -hmm. all right. And who could it be but Frank Jaffe? You're alive? Which is, okay, real quick, side note, it's kind of funny that his last name is Jaffe, because when I first saw him with the long hair and, like, the angle in his voice, he looked like a much older version of Taliesin Jaffe, who's an actor, a voice actor who stars in Critical Role, and it just now occurred to me that his last name was also Jaffe. Oh, Huh. But this was way before Critical Role, so... Way before Critical Role, but not way before Talos and Jaffe. Uh, Talos and Jaffe's family is actually old Hollywood. Like, his grandfather's the guy who wrote, like, Breakfast at Tiffany and stuff okay, like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I wonder if there's a connection there. Too late to research it now. <laughs> Too late. So it's not Frank Jaffe. Frank Jaffe's dead. This is Gerard St. James. Also not dead. Well, no, the... One's dead because they're not real. They're a character. <laughs> Gerard St. James is not Actors dead because not. he's real. Yes. <laughs> and Dean, I guess that's his own version of soft voice where it's just like squealing fanboy all over uh, this actor. And Gerard's like, sure, come in. Because letting strangers into your house is a completely natural, normal thing to do. <laughs> oh my God. Hannah. Yeah. If someone were to sh knock on my door and say, Hey, Kendall, I loved you in that one episode of Scissors Talk Brothers, I'd be like, One, it's cool that you like my show, but. How did you two, find my it's house? It's creepy that you found my address <laughs> in my house. And three, I will be calling the cops, but four, please don't stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ne never come here again, but don't stop listening to the show. <laughs> yes and if you feel like donating money that would be great too it'll improve our quality 
see, it'll improve my speech <laughs> <laughs> and the quality overall. Maybe I will stutter less. Yes, for just $5 a month, Kindle can improve her speech. <laughs> I'll go to speech therapy. Now I'll make sure. I'll make sure she does. Uh, make sure I don't spend it all on wine? Yes. All right, all right. I guess. If I must have a keeper. All right, well, he is a psycho who lets people into his house, but he's a very kind and hospitable psycho who promptly serves them coffee and or tea. And the whole spiel is that one way to drum up attention for B-movies is for something spooky or scary to happen on set. You know, like, you hear someone nearly dies in almost exactly the same way as the movie does, you know, oh, maybe this movie's actually haunted, everybody flocks to go watch it, you know? Or like, like the movie Crow, like, the main character, he did actually die during mm-hmm. filming. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that might be the number one thing that movie is known for now. And so, they basically, that's the information they got. Okay, so it was all just a hoax to drum up publicity for Hellhazers. And he's like, yes, also, I'm going to dinner show the next month. Here's a coupon for pepper steak. You should come. <laughs> and, oh, and I loved it. They were like, that won't that ruin the story? Is like no, it's a completely different character. I mean, but Dean recognized you. Dean recognized you. Come on. <sighs> However, Dean is a super geek. He is. He's a super geek. Super geek. Super geek. He's super He's geeky. Super geeky. <laughs> so no, your average Joe won't be able to spot him. Like the only reason why I can connect the dots on why I recognize people on shows is because of IMDb. If it weren't for IMDb. I would be lost in a river of actors, Hannah. That's not a bad place to be. Like, we were... <laughs> I know, but so we started watching Witcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and Witcher has a lot of big names and a lot of, like, semi-big names. Like, if you watch a lot of, like, BBC, Hulu, off, like, around the corner type stuff, you'll recognize them. And so... I've basically, like, there was, like, one whole episode of Witcher where I half watched the show and half was just on IMDb, like, okay, and who is this person? Because I recognize their face. Yeah. A lot of actors from Banished on that show. Hmm. <sighs> Banished. Anyways, where were we? Oh, anyways, he gives them coupons for his show. They're like, thank you. Bye. And they... Randomly have Dean ask one last fanboy question at the end, and the answer about who, how this actor is, that he's a gentleman's gentleman. I, it didn't serve the plot. There was no trivia about why it was there. It was weird and random. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Like, and I only mention it because it took up so much time and so didn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, we'll never see Gerard again. Put him out of your mind. Back on set, the actors are having at their scene, and uh, there's ghosts supposed to be attacking in their little cabin in the woods. And apparently they were brought back from hell by, when we read from that book, it must have brought them back from hell. Oh my god. And at this point, the sound guy is like, ow, what is that in my ear? Like, fuck, Mitch, what you, ah, why is your voice so scratchy, scratchy, scratchy? And they're like, yeah, cut, that was great, print it. And so I was like, actually, no, Mitch's voice was, like, all kinds of fucked up. Like, you know, 
maybe Mitch wants to get that checked out. Yeah. Yeah. And so everybody goes in the round saying, cut, 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 cut. And at this point, there's a bigwig producer on the scene, and he's like, hey, so director, okay, you lightened up the scene a little bit for me. Great. Thank you. Now, this whole thing, like, the rules don't just don't work for me, which actually, Hannah, is a big thing. Like, when Spargo and I talk, like, movies and sci-fi and whatever, we always talk about the rules. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually a big thing. Um, and it's a big thing that's really frustrating at Supernatural. <laughs> Rules are basically canon. Like, the the canon has to make sense. Like, once you... Anyways. Well, like, a lot of the stuff that the producer is saying, like, when he was saying it's too depressing and needs to be brighter, I don't understand the rules, a lot of this is stuff that Kripke actually heard while he was making Supernatural. And you know what? It's fair feedback. It absolutely is. Like, um... One... I think you could have a creepy, scary story as supernatural as evidenced without the screen, the scenes being completely in the dark. Like, that's something that Mm -hmm. Susie and I bitch about all the time when we're watching TV is like, why is this scene so dark? (laughs) Can we turn up our TV's (laughs) brightness? No, damn it. I can't see what's happening in the scene. It's a horror movie. And yes, I know it's nighttime, but okay, a point I was going to make later, but I'll make it now. Ghosts are typically invisible, but most of the time on Supernatural, they are visible. Why? Because it's not interesting to fight an enemy you can't see for 90% of the whole series, right? Right. So, okay, this show takes place a lot of time at night, but it would be really uninteresting to just be listening to a show that you can't watch. (laughs) So, yes... TVs, movies, I know, it's nighttime, and yes, I know it's weird, like, oh, why would it be so bright at nighttime? Um, I would rather be like, oh, it's why is it so bright at nighttime, than to be like, I, I literally, I think something cool happened right there, but I don't know, I couldn't see it. There wasn't enough light being projected from the screen for me to tell. <laughs> Anyways, got super off topic, I apologize. Producers, like, I don't get why chanting here in this plane brings back creatures from another plane. Like, were they able to hear it? How were they able to hear it? Do they have super hearing? And the director's like, I don't fucking know. Writer? And the writer's like, yeah, we'll just throw in an explainer line. Yeah. And so they cut, and, like, the next scene is, like, Mitch saying, maybe the ghosts have super hearing! (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, But we're not there yet. The producer gets a phone call and walks away. And as he's talking, behind him, a ghost appears. But he turns around, he just sees a beautiful lady in black and white body paint. He's like, good call. I like it. It's creepy. Only issue, the wounds around your neck, it would be a little more jolting, you know, if they were red. Let me speak to makeup. Hey, makeup! But as he turns around to speak with makeup, she... Like, and zaps up to his shoulder and touches him and then disrobes. And he's like, oh, hello. And he follows her off for some ghost sex. Now, Hannah. Yes, Kendall. Lady Ghost. Lady Ghost is amazing. Mm -hmm. Because she implies that the only reason old films were in black and white is because they did full body paint and only used shades of gray to build the sets. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I, 
why else would she be in black and white body paint? Exactly. I mean, it must have been fucking expensive in the supernatural world, in in the canon of the alternate dimension that this story is taking place in. It must have been fucking expensive for them (laughs) to maintain that aesthetic for some 40, 50 odd years in filming. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, on on back on set, we hear Mitch saying, "Oh, they can hear our chanting because they have really supersonic hearing." And before he can even finish the line, a body comes falling through the ceiling of the set, and the body stops and jerks because it's hanging from a noose. <gasps> and who is it but producer guy? And his Bluetooth falls to the floor, and you hear the dial tone. Deep, deep, deep. And by that, you know, by that dial tone, you know he is dead. (laughs) He no longer has super hearing because his Bluetooth is dead. Uh, The producer's name was Brad Redding, played by Gary Cole, who has been in many things, including but not limited to Talladega Nights. The Ballad of Everybody and Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like, I knew his face looked familiar, but his face is familiar because he's in, like, a million of those, I won't say blockbuster comedies, but, like, the, those dime a dozen, but very popular comedies. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah. Still shooting despite a death, Wendy comes into the cabin and hugs Mitch. The director calls for rumbles, and the actors shake a bit. Wendy says, we need, a salt. we need salt to keep the spirits away. One of the workers questions them going ahead with shooting, and another says that they had a moment of silence at breakfast, so that makes it okay. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, a moment of silence makes, it solves everything. That's, well, I love, I love that the person who said, oh, a moment of silence is all we needed, was the same person who... Also doesn't get any attention for his death. Yeah. It all comes around. It all comes around. Mitch is shining his flashlight in Wendy's eyes, so Tara asks for a cut. The director calls cut, and Dean, fully feeling his role as a PA, calls cut too. Tara tells the director that she's upset, and he says he doesn't blame her. She says ghost being scared of salt is dumb, which makes Dean smile. The director asks the writer, and he says it doesn't have to be salt. What about shotguns? <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. He's like, what about a, like? He's like, I'm not married to it. What about condiments? You know, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise. sriracha. Ooh, sriracha. <laughs> Just lob mayonnaise at the ghost. That'll do it. Oh my god. <laughs> gross. Oh, that would be so gross. Imagine the exorcisms. It's like, you're possessed by a demon. I need you to take this mayonnaise bath. <laughs> Just start slathering them. Whole body mayonnaise. Yeah. Hey, it gets peanut butter out. It might get the demon out, too. It might. It might. <laughs> the director says the shotguns make even less sense. One of the writers, walk- Walter, walks off past Dean, saying they're all idiots. Sam comes up to Dean then and asks how things are going. Dean says things are going well because Tara has stepped up her game. But Sam stops him short and is like, dude, I'm talking about the case. (laughs) Also, I thought you hated being a PA. 
Dean says it's growing on him, and he offers Sam a taquito. Sam declines and says he got into the morgue. He's like, I can't eat. I just saw some gruesome, gruesome shit. <laughs> a man was hanged by the neck, and we all know that that's not my thing. Live <laughs> bodies? Still fresh corpses? No. Give me an old, stinky, dusty corpse any day. Any day. But the fresh ones are terrible. Oh, and also, Dean loves being a PA because he gets to watch movies being made and he gets to eat delicious food all day. <gasps> Can you imagine if Dean Winchester actually got to be a PA? He would get so fat. Yeah, he would. He would be the fattest PA. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling Dean that the producer is actually dead, but Dean keeps speaking into his headset instead of listening. <laughs> Sam repeats what he said, and Dean says it's good they stuck around. He tells Sam he wants him to hear something before talking into his headset, saying, copy that, I'm on my way. They go over to Dave, the sound guy, and Dean asks him to let Sam hear what he heard earlier. Sam listens and hears crackling in the audio. He looks over at Dean, who nods in agreement. They're walking and talking now, discussing the case. There was EVP on the audio, and now Dean's picking up electromagnetic pulses. So it's a real haunting now. Sam asks who the ghost is, but Dean doesn't know. He says they should look into Brad's death scene. So it's time to... Name! Name! That! That! Monster! Monster! Ah! Hannah. Kindle. I had a hard time. Did you now? Every place I went to, it was all like bullshit. Like, I just wanted to know about haunted movie sets, right? Mm hmm I wanted the real, real story. And everything was all top 10 this, top 10 8, top 25 that. And you would go in, and it's a perfectly written article where the piece de resistance is someone's jacket fell off the hanger unexpectedly, and it spooked them. <laughs> To the point where they wouldn't read the script anymore. Like, so I said, forget you, first page Google. I'm going to page seven. Ooh. Yes. And on page seven, I found a top ten most cursed and haunted movies that's article that is riddled with spelling errors and stinky with hauntings. Lovely. The very... First one on the list, which means the least one on the list, but still. Number 10? You'll never guess it. Nope, never. I mean, just... Oh, poltergeist. Wrong! The passion of the Jesus. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Mr. Jim Caviezel, our mom's one true love... Yes. I don't actually know where Mr. Caviezel is at these days in terms of his standings and such and whatnot... Let's just say our mom is mightily attracted to the man. Anyways. He'll come around. He He'll come around. <laughs> he suffered hypothermia, pneumonia, infections. Some of his skin got ripped off during the supposedly fake whipping scene. Again, this is all a typo-riddled article. So, you know, just believe this the way we believe Supernatural, okay? And also, he got struck by lightning. What? Yeah. Wow. And you're like, man, to get struck by lightning, that's a freaky deaky once in a lifetime. Oh, no. A PA. 
not a PA, sorry, an assistant director, an AD, <laughs> also got struck by lightning during this filming of The Passion of the Jesus. Not once, but twice. So there were three lightning three strikes strength. that wow. hit people. One being the assistant director and one hitting Jim Caviezel. And okay, somebody didn't want this movie made. <laughs> I mean, maybe God didn't want this movie made. <laughs> He was, like, <laughs> aiming for the director, but the director was too strong and hit, veered off and hit the assistant director. He's like, fine, I'll get the actor. <laughs> All right, number nine. This one, I don't know. It's called The Possession, and The Possession's a movie about a cursed wine cabinet, and weird things started happening in the filming, and lights would explode, and there were, like, chilly breezes. Like, there were cold spots and light flickers, basically. <laughs> And, you know, typical haunting, you know, typical haunting. And then the props department got on fire and their wine cabinet was uh, burnt up. And after that, the people who owned the real life wine cabinet that this movie was based off off of were like, here, you can use the real one. The cast and crew were like, no, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> we do we'll just make a new box. We'll just use this coffin over here and use this as the prop for the wine cabinet because this will be safer. Movie number eight is The Conjuring. And Ooh. so it's, you know this movie? Oh, yeah. I've seen all the movies so far. I knew, I know like two or three of the movies. <laughs> so The Conjuring <laughs> is a family's house is haunted, right? That, that's it, That's just it. They're mm -hmm. just haunted, right? And so while the movie was being shot, the actual family came to visit the movie set and they used the actual house for the film and the real life like mom wife person was like no i am not stepping foot in that house again that's how terrified i am and while they were there a huge gust of wind kept like encircling them but everybody there couldn't see any wind in like the trees or the grass outside of the family it was just around the family oh wow like, pretty freaky, yeah? And yeah. the actress who played the investigator said that one night at home, she opened her laptop to study the script, and she saw, like, three slash marks across her screen, almost like a demonic paw had, like, raked across her screen. So she didn't study her script at her house anymore. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Number seven. Batman. Batman? Batman. Nice. So, it's kind of funny to watch the evolution of Batman because you start out with the Batman in like the 60s. It's all bright and blue suit and as they go from one scene to the next. And it's like, holy smokes, Batman. Holy <laughs> fish cannoli, Batman. You know, and it gets yeah. darker and darker as the, as the time goes on because we just want to get real. He lost his parents. He's sad. Um, and, of course, the most legendary one now is the one starring Heath Ledger. And apparently Jack Nicholson warned Ledger about taking on this role. You know, like mm -hmm. this is a really dark, psychically fucked up role and you might have trouble with it. And Ledger, in the course of filming this went into a deep depression so like two hours a night um and died of an accidental overdose at 28 mm. and 
it's on the list. I don't know if it's exactly haunting, but it's definitely like a cursed movie at this point, in a sense. Yeah. Like, I oh, love an actor. Ledger. I miss him. I know. He was an amazing actor. Oh, I mean, I still just remember, I think the first time I saw him in anything was in Knight's Tale. Yes. And, same. Oh, God. It, it still doesn't seem real. What's also mm-hmm. unreal, Hannah? He was 28 when he died. Yeah, I'm 27. Yeah. Gosh. Think about that. That's like, crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. Anyways. All right. Number six. Let's go a little faster. Rosemary's Baby. All right. This one yep. is fucked up just because... Um, And this was the one I did a project on in high school because our high school history teacher uh, was obsessed with assassins and murderers and... <laughs> <laughs> you know when we studied when we studied u.s history we studied <laughs> all the assassins and the murders <laughs> um and the holocaust a healthy dosing of the holocaust anyways of course, rosemary's baby somewhere yeah you know it is mandatory which as it as it should be uh, okay i'm just gonna shut my mouth now and move on <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary's baby, a pregnant lady gets sucked into a cult that's all about murder, I'm guessing. Well, this movie was directed by Roman Polanski, who was married to Sharon Tate, and while this movie was being made, I guess, uh mm-hmm. his wife, Sharon Tate, and her party, her house guests that she was having over at that night, while this movie was being made, they were all horrifically murdered and killed by a cult led by Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. Yes. I created like a little mini recreation of the murder scene in high school as my senior project. Wow. They were all popsicle sticks. I felt very removed from it. I gave the Sharon Tate popsicle stick a cotton ball pregnant belly. Wow. <laughs> it was very gruesome and terrible, and I lost faith in humanity on that day, or on that project. <laughs> Number five, The Exorcist. Actually moving faster now. All right, Exorcist. Yeah. Um, people couldn't handle the movie. People fainted in the movie theaters. They threw up. They had nightmares. And apparently filming it wasn't an easy thing either. The set caught on fire and burnt up everything except for the little girl's room. Hmm. Hmm. It remained perfectly intact and untouched. And here's another crazy fact. When The Exorcist was shown in Rome, uh, the theater it was shown in was between two churches. And while they were watching the movie, a 400-year-old cross was struck by lightning and fell into the middle of the plaza. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. And also, it's it said an estimated nine deaths were associated with the making of this movie. But I think... That God striking a church next to a theater (laughs) is a little more telling. All right, Hannah, have you seen this movie, Introducing Dorothy Dandridge? Uh, Nope, this one I haven't seen. Okay, I haven't seen it either. This was a movie starring Halle Berry about the first African-American woman to win an Oscar, which, funnily enough, Halle Berry was the first African-American woman to win an Oscar for a leading role. Congrats. Um, all right, so it wasn't paranormal at all. Like, it was like a life story, right? But Halle Berry uh, wanted to borrow one of Dandridge's actual dresses and bring it home. And while 
she had the dress in her house, she would start to hear, like, water, like, boiling, like, you know, when the kettle's filled and... But there was no kettle on or near. And then she would see, like, a doll's dress floating around in in midair in front of the dress she had borrowed. And, like, a lot of freaky shit was happening. So she was like, I'm going to my room, and I'm staying there, and the dress is going back first thing tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, three men and a baby. It's yep. a baby. All right. Which is so mentioned this in one, this episode. It is mentioned in this episode, and I saw it debunked elsewhere, but they mentioned the debunking on this. So, reportedly, you see an image of a young man standing in the background behind Ten dancing, and it's a nine-year-old boy, allegedly, who committed suicide while living in the apartment that they were filming in. and. It was never edited out, and you can still see it to this day. And it has been explained away that it's a cardboard cutout that was used in order to create propaganda to boost a sequel release. So, was it chicken or egg or egg or chicken? The world may never know. We may never know. All right, number two, poltergeist. Also mentioned in this episode... All right, so during filming, four actors actually died. This article does not... None of the... This is the thing that fucked me up, Hannah. All the articles Mm -hmm. I read today, nobody actually gave facts of, like, this person died in this way in this scenario. They're just like, and four people died. I'm like, tell me how. How did they die? (laughs) Did one have a heart attack? Did one get into a car accident? Was one in stage four cancer? Was one of them for six months? Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> not that cancer right, whatever. is funny. It's not funny, but it's also not ghostly. So, anyways, four actors died. And it says here that during the swimming pool scene, I guess there's a swimming pool scene, uh, the mm-hmm. family members are surrounded by skeletons. And that, yes, you as an actor seeing a skeleton would be horrified. But maybe you as an actor would be genuinely horrified to know that these are actual real-life human skeletons being used. Uh, yeah. I gotta think, it's probably easier to go out and get a real human skeleton than it is to go out and get a fake one. I mean, maybe. I mean, Hannah, when you think about it, there's been at least a billion of us motherfuckers who have died. Are there a billion? Yeah, there's more real skeletons than fake ones just lying around. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they're just lying around, free for anybody to take. I mean, who's gonna complain? Really? (laughs) Agent Hendrickson? Well, he's not here yet, Hannah. (laughs) Everybody gets so up in arms about grave desecration. Not me. I mean, okay, let's think about this for a second, though. Say mom were to die, may that never come to pass, but we found out that 20 years later, somebody needed a skeleton for their movie, and our mom's was chosen at random. I mean, if it's 20 years later, I probably wouldn't mind. If it were the day after, I might throw a (laughs) fit. Well, the day after, they're not going to have a skeleton, Hannah. Okay, good point. (laughs) But... Yeah, 20 years later, yeah, it would probably be fine. Like, yeah, I mean, she's not using it anymore. Mm-mm, that's I, not her. That's not her? All right. As long as we're on the same page about this, once mom's gone, she doesn't need to know. <laughs> 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 God, 
God, please cover up mom's ears so she never has to hear this. She don't listen to our podcast. She don't. Except for that one episode where, like, Mom, it's your birthday episode. You have to listen. It's the only <laughs> birthday present you're getting this year. Oh, also, also, Hannah. Mm-hmm. The poltergeist, the set was built above an old Indian burial ground. Well, that's we just asking know... for trouble. Yes. You're just going to have bugs that are going to chew through all of your electrical wire and cut off your cell phone signal. <sighs> all right. And then the number one movie. On this list is The Omen, which I'm sure you have also seen. Yep. All right. For those out there like me who have not seen the movie and also are completely unaware of pop culture, The Omen is about a little kid that gets adopted by a rich family. They're like, oh, we love you. We're so happy. And actually, he is Satan's son and the actual embodiment of the devil and the Antichrist. Uh-oh. Um. All right. So, in the making of this film, the cast and crew experienced a lot. There was death. There were accidents. I don't know the way they this article leads with death. <laughs> there were death. Let me put this in the order it should be in. There were car crashes. There were were lightning strikes. There was a hotel bombing. There were accidents. I probably should have led with accidents because the accidents is very vague. There were. There was death and suicides. And somehow, in spite of all of this, the article lists that the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing, oh, that was very normal, but the weird thing <laughs> was they lost two days of uh, footage because of a, mal- a camera malfunction. And if I remember correctly, this, the scene that was primarily missing was the scene that revealed the kid as the Antichrist. Hmm. And when they were inspecting the camera, like, oh, what's wrong? Why did we lose all of this footage? The error was 666. Spooky. And that that concludes Name! Name! That! That! Monster! Monster! Ah! Ah! Oh, Hannah, real quick. Yes. Before we go back into the plot of the show, I want to discuss just real quick why Sam is so unnerved by Dean's geekiness. I, I really want, because a lot of Sam's reactions and choices in this episode struck, struck me as almost out of character. And I've got a semi-explanation in your in my mind, but I feel like your understanding will help flesh it out. I would say that his odd behavior this episode has to do with Hart and Madison. Okay. I figured that it, it, that impacted his empathy for sure. And we do see that Sam, when he suffers heartbreak or trauma, he likes to just throw himself into work. Mm-hmm. But... He almost seems surprised at moments to see Dean adapt and change with his environment. Yeah. Which, I feel like there are very few things you could do in life that would genuinely surprise me by this point. And <laughs> yeah, you, years, you've I, told me that there is nothing I can do now that would surprise you anymore. And I think the same is true, <laughs> vice versa. Like, anything that you can actually conceivably think that... Like, okay, if you murdered somebody, yeah, that would surprise me. <laughs> But, yeah, but you know me well enough that I wouldn't do that. Exactly. I don't even kill bugs. So, not even like, sacred burial only, Indian bugs? The only bugs I'll kill are ladybugs, but they're disgusting. 
they oh, they crunch when you ugh, 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 different topic. It. We don't need to talk about it. All right, but Sam, having seen what a charmer Dean is, seeing how easily Dean can ingratiate himself with people, and knowing how much his brother loves movies, is still somehow taken aback by Dean having fun. It's because Sam is so engrossed in his own feelings right now. He's like, I'm focused on this case. You should be focused on this case. Why are you acting normal? I'm sulking. That's it, Hannah. Dean's acting normal. This is Dean being happy in a situation that's not supernatural. That's not in a bar hustling people or seducing them. This is Dean Mm -hmm. in a normal job among normal people. And, like, sure, I'm sure Sam saw some of that in high school, but even when they were in high school, as we'll see in future episodes and flashbacks, that even in high school, Dean had trouble fitting in sometimes because he was so married to, not married to, but, like, trying to live live up to John's standard of hunting. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, thank you. You made it click for me. Sam is, for the first time, witnessing Dean in a normal job. Yes. And not just doing it and bearing it, but actively enjoying it. And Sam has never seen his brother actively enjoy a normal job before. Yes. Ah, I feel so much better. Okay. And yes, a lot of it, a lot of it is heart. Absolutely. We'll get to that in a later scene. Um, but, and maybe Sam's not able to step outside of his hurt trauma-induced field uh, tunnel vision and image of his brother to step out of himself and do the analysis we just did. (laughs) (laughs) But but also, it took me and you coming together to talk about it to understand why he was reacting this way also. So, yeah. All right, thank you. I feel so much better. We can now continue with the show. They break into a trailer, and Dean puts in a DVD of some of the movie. Um, these little clips of the movie are called dailies, but it doesn't matter. Sam asks where Dean got it. (laughs) (laughs) And Dean says he got it from Cindy, who was on and off, who has an on and off thing with Drew. Who earns him- Also doesn't matter. Also doesn't matter. Which earns him a sort of impressed look from Sam. They play the footage and Sam has Dean go back and play it again, having him pause where it looks like some woman in a white dress is standing. With his backseat driving senses. and backseat driving the remote is so hard. I felt back from like, wait, wait, go back, two more back, and one forward, and wait, pause, pause there, wait. <laughs> right there. Dean just, says, just it's give me the remote. Like three men and a baby all over again, referencing a similar thing happening in that movie, though Sam is oblivious. He does think he's seen this woman before. Like, how he recognized this woman, I don't know. It could also it could whose have been trailer you. is this? I wanted to say it was Brad's you. trailer, but producers don't get trailers, so I don't know whose trailer this is. But it aggravates me that I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I thought about that too, especially later on when, when filming is cut for the two days, and they're still in the trailer. I'm like, where are you <laughs> crashing? <laughs> you know what? They're 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 pulling they're pulling a bugs. And this is just one of the example trailers (laughs) that is used. Offset somewhere, they're sitting at a table. Dean's talking over his headset about the whereabouts of Tara. Then he pays attention to Sam, 
who shows him an obit for an Ellis Drummond who died in the 1920s, same way that Brad died, at stage 9, so they figure they've got their ghost. On set, they call a wrap for the day and everyone to be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Jay, one of the workers, well, one of the, is he the assistant director? Jay, the assistant director, tells the director, McGee, that he's a genius before walking away. In a Hollywood graveyard, the boys are looking for Ellis. Dean is glad he spent five bucks on a map and wants to check out the other graves when they're done. Sam wants to know why Ellis suddenly started killing people after 75 years, and Dean says maybe she's mad they're making a scary movie. They find the headstone and start digging. On set, Jay is on the phone complaining about McGee and saying he'll direct the next one. He tells the person on the phone that they're a genius and he loves them, before hanging up and calling them a dick. You two-faced liar, Jay. Suddenly, the lights on set go off and he says, Hey guys, I'm still here. Yeah, I... I almost want to do a character study on this person at this point because he's complaining to somebody else, we don't know who, about how he can't control this director. But also, you can't guide a director in the direction you want if you're telling them that you love the direction they're going. Right. And how much more for, uh, forward momentum are you getting with this person that you're also lying to and saying, yeah, you're great, I love you. Like, people are so Dick. afraid of conflict. People are so afraid of conflict. Yeah. And I, I I almost wanted to do... A, I'm afraid of conflict, too. Don't get me wrong. If I can't avoid it, same. I will. But at the same time, if I know, like, I need this to change, and the only way for this to change is for me to say something... Then it's like, all right, how can I say this in a positive and constructive way? <laughs> but no, I, I almost I almost want to take him aside and be like, hey, honey, you're doing life wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let me teach you about life. <laughs> and conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And positive conflict. Proflict. Yes. Let's talk pro about proflict. Yes. No, let's Love get on it. with the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the graveyard, the boys get Ellis's coffin open, pour salt, lighter fluid, and proceed to burn the corpse. I was just going to say, salt out of a metal canister? This was the first time in my entire viewing of the show that I questioned salt coming out of a metal canister. <laughs> it's like Canadian milk in a bag. Milk Do in Canadians a bag. Do Canadians also get their salt in a metal canister? Maybe. We need to go to Canada and investigate. We do. Add to the road trip. <laughs> add to the road trip. Yeah, we don't add L.A. We don't add L.A. We just add. <laughs> Wait, no. is L.A. a real place? You never said. <laughs> uh, it's a real place, but I did not research it. <laughs> no, no, I showed you. On set, Jay is walking through the fake woods, and the dark figure walks past him. He calls out, but they ignore him. He asks them to help him find the exit, and they ignore him. He calls them a putz and says someone could get hurt here when the figure turns to show its mutilated head. Jay screams and falls backwards. He says, what the hell, as a giant fan turns on. The figure flickers out of sight and Jay gets pulled toward the fan with an unnatural force. He gets chopped up off screen as we see, as all we see are the blood splatters. Since when do we have invisible ghosts? Like I was saying earlier, like... <laughs> Also, something that bugged me was there's a cage over the blades of that fan. Exactly. Also, fans blow. 
So the no, sucking su power had to be ghost power. Well, it wasn't so much sucking power as it was I am just forcing you into this fan like a meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a backwards uh, fun meat fact, grinder. Yeah. Jay Wiley was played by Don Stark, best known for his role of Donna's dad on that 70s show. He's I've been in other stuff. Other things. But yeah. There were a lot of famous faces this episode, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Alright. So next we get a trailer for Hellhazers 2, The Reckoning. They never forgive. They never forget. They're coming back again to get revenge. Again. They're coming back from hell. Again. And I think you hear Mitch say, they're back again. Monster truck. <laughs> oh yeah, and all every single shot from this uh trailer is scenes from season one, I think, of Supernatural. And it yes. ends with Wendy's awful scream and uh, cheesy, like, this film has not been rated. And also, like, in the subscript, apparently, you can see, nor has it been written, casted, shot, edited, or blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anything. Anything. Which is a lie, because obviously they have at least casted and shot a few things, because you did see, what's her name? Wendy? A.K.A. Mm -hmm. Tara. Anyways, so the boys are at the scene where Jay died, and he's like, and Sam's like, that's weird, this would happened in 1966 to a, another dude. And they're like, but why is a different ghost now attacking when we clearly smoked the other ghost? Ghosts don't usually coordinate like that. Uh, well, director McGee gathers everybody together. So everybody gather around, gather around. We're shutting production down for a two for two days to comply with law enforcement. Uh, I know law enforcement. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, crazy deaths happening. They were just accidents, but uh, they gotta do their thing, I guess. But you know what? We're gonna continue making this movie because even though we've had a couple setbacks. This is what they would want more than anything. And they want to be alive. I think they would want to be alive and like maybe retiring on a private island somewhere. That's what I would want more than anything. But yeah, yeah sure. Hellraisers 2, The Reckoning. I could totally see that being somebody's life accomplishment. Anyways, so the director's like, we're going to get this film made. But in the background dean for like a second gives a clap like yeah we're gonna get this film made <laughs> for half a second all right well back in the trailer whose trailer we don't know it's the mysterious bugs trailer yeah sam is wanting to rip his eyeballs out watching the dailies for this movie and Dean comes in, and Sam's like, hey, did you ever find out where that guy who died in 1966 was buried? And Dean's like, ah, eh, he was cremated, so we're SOL. And he's like, did you find anything in the dailies? And Sam's like, I mean, maybe the ghosts hate bad movies, and they're trying to destroy this movie because it sucks. And at this moment, he realizes, because they've now gotten into the reading from the book chanting thing, he's like, hold on a tick. That's some real motherfucking Latin. And in fact, I speak enough Latin to know that that is a very dark. Like, all, all the words they're saying are very dead words. It sounds like a necromantic deal. And they're like, oh shit, they're doing real magic on here. What? So they go visit the writer, Martin. 
the one who was like, hey, we can use mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is cool. <laughs> Just slather them with mayonnaise. It'll work. Just slather them with mayonnaise. It's ghost protection. <laughs> so they go visit him. And they're like, hey, we read the script. It was awesome. We super liked all the Enochian shit because we definitely know what Enochian means at this point. And I love the change in his personality because at first they're like, we love the detail. And he's like, yeah, I'm all about the details. That's me. Yeah, I'm the man. They're like, yeah, that Enochian. He's like, oh, man, you like that shit? <sighs> Fuck that. That was that asshole yeah. over there. Um, But yeah. So apparently... This Walter guy, who Dane thought was a PA, isn't a PA. He was the original writer, and in his writing scripts, he gets set privileges. So, from my understanding, he writes the original scripts, he sells the scripts, but in selling the scripts, he gets rights to be on set. But once he has sold that script, they can change it however they fucking want to, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. this Martin guy changed it a lot and made... Walter very unhappy. <laughs> Sam and Dean are reading the original script now, and Dean says it's actually pretty good. Sam says it's a how-to manual for summoning ghosts and getting them to do what you want, like kill people. Sam says Walter must have learned some black magic, and Dean says he's probably pissed at them for ruining his movie. His booby? Dean says it's motive and means, so Dean says they should check it out. While they're looking into that, Martin meets up with Walter in the fake woods. Martin says, let's make this quick. I'm busy working on the script. <laughs> and Walter is upset because he says they've worked on it a lot. Martin says it needed it, and Walter starts his monologue about how the lore was real and they could have gotten it right for the first time in this town, but they turned it into a joke. Martin says, who cares? This is business, baby. And ghosts aren't real. Walter says, you're wrong, and holds up an ambulance and starts chanting. Martin looks disbelieving and turns to walk away, but when he does, he sees the mutilated head of Billy Beard. Um, Billy Beard is played by Gary Rousseau, who comes back in Season 4, Episode 11, Family Remains. I've actually met a person with the same name before. Not the last name, but the first name. And it's actually still Jerry. Oh. Yeah. I know. It trips you up. It's like Jeff with a G-E-O. Yeah. Geoff. <laughs> did I say Gary? You did say Gary. It's Jerry. It's Jerry. Well, G-E-R-R-Y. Gary, Jerry. Sorry. You know, You're a real person. You probably get this all the time, Gary Jerry. Oh, poor Gary Jerry listening to this podcast going, they got my name wrong again. <laughs> well, Billy Beard is dragging Martin towards those fan blades. He's like, I'm gonna make some ground meat out of you. Hamburgers were his favorite food while living, I'll have you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially hamburger steak. Yas. All right, and... While Martin is being dragged to the fan blade, going, no, please, Walter is like, hey, let me yell at you this fan while you're about to die. Further explanation about why you suck and how you hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's almost to the fan blade when you hear a gunshot ring out and Dean just swaggers onto the scene with his shotgun out of the ready. And Martin, with hard eyes, like, you're the best PA ever. Dean's like, I know. Wink and a kiss. <laughs> Dean knows so, he's awesome. This would have been a great by Dean moment if Martin hadn't been such an utter douche from the get-go. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, they get Martin off the floor, and Walter's like, why are you messing with my thing? <laughs> and Sam's like, uh, why are you messing with the thing? <laughs> and Walter starts running away, like, up the stairs to the rafters, like, that's gonna help him at all when he has ghosts to do his bidding? I don't know. And he's like, you don't understand! This was everything, they ruined my everything! And Sam tries to soft voice him. It's okay. And he's like, yeah, you're totally right. Like, tell me about it. And Walter is like, I put everything, this, all my research, all my study, and then they just ripped it up. And Sam struggles to empathize here. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing because his heart isn't in it, because his heart just got ripped out for the second time in like two years. And he's like, it's a fucking movie, dude. <laughs> Try losing the love of your life three times over. (laughs) And obviously, wrong thing to say to Walter, because at this point, Walter's like, all right, asshole, you think it's just a movie? I'm going to say it's just a ghost. And he pulls out his amulet and starts doing the chanting thing. And, um... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm putting it a little out of order because he does try and give Sam and Dean the chance to leave, but Martin has to stay. And Dean's super heroic, and he's like, no, he's a douche, but he's still an innocent human. You can't kill him. And at that point, he's like, okay, well, I officially hate all of you, so let me summon more ghosts. So he summons more ghosts. And how many more ghosts appear, Hannah? Three. But didn't Sam say only four people died and they already smoked one? Yeah, so there's only three ghosts left. But Billy Beard was already there. Yes. So, okay, so he's one of the three ghosts that was resummoned. Yes. Okay, all right. Thank you. Math is hard. It is. All right. Well, there's now three ghosts, and they take a few shambling steps, and they disappear. And Dean and Sam freeze, and they start running, like running helps at all with ghosts. And they go hide in the cabin, which then they're sad because there's only three walls to this cabin on a movie set, duh. Like, a wall in a cabin without salt would do anything anyways. I mean... Right. Come on, a demon could get th- through those cracks, let alone a ghost. Uh, but yeah, the the lack of a third wall is really disheartening. So... They're shifting around like, oh my god, what are we going to do? Martin is having a crisis. He's like, holy fuck, ghosts are real? And as they're like panicking, Sam has his aha moment. He's like, hey, the ghost showed up on the film camera. Maybe it'll show up on a phone camera. Even though it's not film. Because, yeah, why not? Why not? It's, I mean, honestly, Anna, it is worth a shot. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that it works, however, is shocking, but he is able to see the ghost ghost through the camera lens and tell Dean where to shoot. And at this point, he's like, all right, I've got to go get Walter to kind of stop this whole process. Here, Martin, you're smart enough to have cottoned on to what I'm doing. You take the phone camera. I'm going to go chase down Walter. I'll be safe by myself with no shotgun (laughs) because... You, Martin, are the target. Actually, that yes, that does track. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, Martin spiel like like word vomits his existential crisis on Dean, and Dean's like, "Look, this is not the time nor the place. It all sucks. You live, you die, you become a ghost. If you're unlucky, let's just let's just focus on the living part right here, right now." 
Well, Sam catches up to Walter outside, and he's like, please just give me the amulet, and we'll all be cool. And Walter's like, if I can't have it, no one can have it, and smashes it. And Sam's like, no, you fucktard. Really? (laughs) You done fucked up now. Like, now you freed the ghosts. They were... One, one, first they were happy wherever the fuck they were. Two, they were tied up with you, but now they're free and angry. And guess what free and angry ghosts do? Maul. They maul, apparently. Everybody knows this, right? And (laughs) at some point, I guess Dean and Martin were like, hey, we've been ghost free for five seconds. Let's run and see what's going on with Sam and Walter. (laughs) And they come out just in time to see Walter begin to get attacked by ghosts. And Martin is curious enough to see what's actually happening and moves the camera over. And we see that three ghosts are basically zombie eating this guy's body. And he's being mauled to get death by ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the movie. We see Ashley and Mitch in the cabin. Ashley has the camera phone pointing out ghost to Mitch, who shoots them. She asks Mitch why they can see them on the phone, and Mitch guesses it can pick up the frequencies that their eyes can't. He shoots another ghost before McGee calls cut and says that's making the movie. Sam snarks Martin by saying, you find out there's an afterlight and this is what you do with it? Martin says they needed it. He- there's just some jazz I on love- the screen. He was so excited by meeting ghosts that he was like, oh, ghosts are so good. Oh, I just jizzed all over the script. And it was instantly better. Mayonnaise. He's horny for ghosts now. Sam walks outside past Terry's trailer. I love trailer, how much you is... love that joke. Okay. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, Kendall. Very good joke. I will ignore it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly a standalone about a man who loves near-death experiences and used his to change an entire script to reflect his experiences because it makes him so horny and happy. Ew. Sam walks outside past Tara's trailer, which is rocking, and out comes Dean. She tells him he's one hell of a PA. The boys walk off into the sunset, which was really just a backdrop, and Dean says he loves this town. As our episode ends. Fuck it, that was a bye moment. He gets your one hell of a PA from two breathless people of opposite genders. Mm-hmm. They were coding Dean to be bi from the very beginning. Yes. From the very beginning. The biry beginning. The binary <laughs> beginning. Okay, okay. I'll get there. Well, Hannah... This movie has... This movie. (laughs) Yeah, this movie has been great and all. (laughs) Yeah, this movie's been great and all. But let's get into the themes. When you're surrounded by darkness, open your eyes. Look around you. I had a theme of Sassy Sam. What was your Sassy Sam? Well, when they were in with um, Gerard, and he was like, yeah, we know. Um... (laughs) And then, like, being snarky with Martin at the end there. Yeah, we got Sassy Sam. Yeah, when he gets, like, impatient and... Oh, and him saying that the movie sucked? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he's impatient and pouty at the degenerates he's surrounded by... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, then he gets sassy. Uh, My first theme was Dean and movies. Very good, very good. 
I mean, I'm thinking just last season, season 14, last season in the real timeline, we had a whole episode that was dedicated to Dean and Sam having to fight one of the monsters from one of Dean's favorite horror movie series coming to life for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a theme that literally continues all the way up to at least season 14. I had a theme of Dean eating. You just yes, I had face. that theme as well. Dean and food. He eats so much this episode. Mama's yes. proud of boy. He feel his <laughs> belly so good. <laughs> uh, I'm hungry now, again, after eating dinner. Just talking about all the food Dean has been eating. I'm going to go downstairs and get it like one last snack before I go to bed. Good. Uh, my next theme was Sam is bizarrely smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, again, Sam in a film moving at regular pace is like, ooh, I can instantly recognize something off in this one flash of a scene. <laughs> Even though there's a whole screen to watch, my brain can catch that one little iota of a flicker and bring you straight back to it without using <laughs> slow-mo. And then I can recognize... The ghost face in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. And be like, oh yes, I saw her when I was doing research. I mean, it's up there with diagnosing the genus and family, Latin family name of the crocodile alligator scale that was on the arm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I had a theme of active listening Dean. Not so much when he was ignoring Sam, but when he was talking to (laughs) Tara and he was like, Oh, that's awful. Yeah, I think we actually get, for the first time since Cassie, uh, we get to see Dean actually showing good empathy skills and listening skills. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time when he's listening, he's he's like Sam expects him to be, so focused on the case that he has, you know, that tunnel vision. Whereas Sam talking to people is a little more, let's see the whole picture here, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is what helps Dean spot the details, I guess. Uh, I don't know. We'll see more as we continue through the series. But when Sam is a when Dean is a fan, he can care. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much of a theme this is, but I feel like it should be at least in the early seasons. But Sam's BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen them use the VZ Navigator a few times. He was checking his emails, and here he used his fancy phone camera, which was super high-tech for that day. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's amazing in other adventures that hasn't been destroyed like his laptop was. Oh, speaking of high-tech, the producer, Brad, he had, like, a Bluetooth earpiece. Well, I don't know if it was Bluetooth, but he had an earpiece, and I was like, man, that's pretty high-tech for this time. That's it's Bluetooth and it's very high tech. Those were oh yeah, like the first version, the first model. Uh, my last theme was Dean and sex, but I want to point out that this is a good time, a consensual good time that he got without the need of ghosts being involved. Tara has no idea that ghosts are actually real. She has no idea that what she saw was faked. Or that she, what she saw was real. It's just been completely ignored mm-hmm. except for, for this one guy. And she's continued shooting her show as normal. And they're on a two-day break because her normal shoot had two crazy, bizarre deaths in it. <laughs> and, yeah, so I just, I appreciated that 
They didn't make her involved with the case, and that's why she had... I, I'm, I'm grateful that she didn't have gratitude sex. There we go. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. Yeah. All right. I had a Any theme of... Oh, yeah. I had a few more. Oh, my gosh. Hit me. Coffee. They had coffee at Gerard's house. Oh, right. Um, bad, bad human. Walter was a very bad man. Um, unsolved case. And I'll get to it. I will get to it. Uh, fourth wall breaking with the Gilmore Girls and stuff like that. And my last theme was ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ghosts are definitely a theme in Supernatural. Let's not neglect it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right, yeah, you got me there. How have we not had ghosts be a theme up till now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hannah, I love that you just introduced ghosts as a theme for the first time here in our 41st episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I would love to hear what you hated. Look around you. It's a beautiful life. Ooh, I hate that the boys didn't do anything about the remaining three ghosts. They could have gotten a taste for blood and are still killing people. We only know that breaking the talisman freed them from Walter's control. We don't know if they moved on after killing it's him. It's a nutcracker! <laughs> Yay! Mine was more focused by that, yes, but also the fact that they didn't even try from the get-go to try- save this guy. There wasn't a single shotgun shot to try and clear the ghost off of him. There wasn't a ring of salt. Oh yeah, they'll bend over backwards to help protect this guy who made a demon deal to save his wife from cancer and nearly die in the process. But this guy who doesn't know what he's dealing with, you're just gonna stand back and let him get mauled. Yep. Like a gruesome, horrible way to die. It was such a, uh, such a destruction, or maybe not a destruction of their mor- morality, but a very weird line in their morality to draw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially considering they're going to prison in the next episode. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, and it's, it's not in character with what we've seen of the boys so far. I can't think of another episode we've talked about where they've sat back and watched the bad guy get killed i mean even when they were uh in the the game the great game the the benders so it's called the benders even in the benders they weren't ready to just out and out kill pa and his two sons you know they thought they could trust the cop and the cop did you know, the dirty business, and they were like, all right, well, we're not going to fault you for that. It's not what we would have done, but we can't fault you for that. But here, not even, like, 20 episodes later, they're like, yeah, we'll just sit back and watch you get torn to shreds by ghosts, because we can't control ghosts, man. It's not like we don't fight them and kill them on a daily basis. <laughs> and maybe we'll follow up on this after, but, I mean... I mean, really, Hannah, if they knew four people had died on set, how hard would it have been for them to go find all four graves from the very get-go and just salt and burn all four of them? Why is there the whole economy of action where, like, we need to find out exactly which ghost it is? (laughs) Yeah. Would you like to know what I love? Yes, thank you. What did you love? I loved Dean throughout this whole episode. All his references and just how much fun he was having. He consistently made me happy in this episode because he was so happy in this episode. 
Uh, we could just keep getting glimpses of Dean in a normal life. Yeah. And I think that's why I enjoy, when I read Supernatural fanfic, I enjoy reading alternate universe over in canon, which is very counter to how I usually read my fanfic. Yeah, Dean, Dean just works, you know, he has his own mechanic shop and... Or Dean is bar, a writer, or, is or a writer. Cass is a writer, and they meet up because Cass needs his car worked on. And or Dean's <laughs> a stripper, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, the difference in our fix. <laughs> oh, you know what I really love? I do love Dean as a firefighter. Ooh, and, I was like that. Um, what was the other one? Well, I've lost it now. Oh, Dean as like, some sort of sports star. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Playing sports. Those are fun. What did what did you love this episode? I actually love the asshole writer. Um, he was an Martin? asshole. Martin, yeah, yeah, he was okay. an asshole. But I found the way he. <sighs> All right, one, I couldn't fault him on his approach to the script. He wasn't there for the art like Walter was. He was much more for the what's going to get the job done. You know, there's a formula mm-hmm. for this. And people aren't going to want to watch this esoteric, artistic, meticulously researched, you know, like, a, that's for a very niche crowd, right? I want, we want to make mm-hmm. a, my bosses want me to make a blockbuster, you know, something that appeals to everybody. So that's what I need to do, right? So he was still an asshole, but he wasn't wrong in his reasoning. But then when he was confronted with Ghost and the these eye-opening experiences, he was able to cope with them in a a way that I thought was very interesting. And then he didn't deny them, but he actually put them into his art. And probably if Walter had seen this final script, he probably would have been very happy because it was very accurate, (laughs) you know? Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I I appreciated what they did with this character because it would have been very easy to... I guess it's more cheeky that... It ends up being a recreation of the actual fight scene. And it's very cliched and what have you. But how they were building up Martin's character, I did find it very interesting that they allowed him to be a character that experiences growth. Yeah, I agree. Oh, wow. I guess that's everything except for Hannah. What comes next? Next time on Sisters Talk Brothers. We will be discussing Season 2, Episode 19, Folsom Prison Blues. When an old block is reopened in the Green River County Detention Center, after 30 years, a friend is released. Not a friend. A fiend is released. (laughs) Killing the inmates. Our friend is released and slaughters everybody. They shouldn't have released her. Why? Why did they release her? My best friend. (laughs) Three months later, Dean and Sam are arrested during a heist to be sent to the haunted prison to help Deacon, a former friend of their father. While FBI agent Victor Henriksen presses Dean, the public defender Mara Daniels believes the brothers are not guilty of most of the inconsistent charges against them and helps the Winchester brothers in the end. This synopsis was brought to us by Claudio Carvalho from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, on imdb.com. Thank you, IMDb. Thank you, Claudio. Thank you, Claudio. Very thorough beginning to end. If I didn't have a good idea of what we were coming into, I would now. Yes, we have a very good idea of what's coming up next.
I remember liking this episode. I remember liking this episode. It's going to be good. You know what I remember from this episode the most? What? No, I'm singing it all bad. Green onions. Um, and I know they are in a prison, and they're not. They're they, they choose to be there, and there's a ghost. Two ghost episodes in a row. Oh my god, Hannah! I had to go to page seven for this this episode. How many pages deep do you think I'll have to go for this next episode? Well, instead of doing a haunted movie set, you could do haunted prisons. Like, I don't know. I think Alcatraz is haunted. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of them's haunted. They're all terrible places. Lots of people died. Yeah. You got yeah, this. But, but what do you want to bet that when I go and research, it's all going to be top 10 haunted prisons. In this prison, 10 people died. I'm like, but <laughs> How? Why? <laughs> but how? Where is your research? Where is your proof? <laughs> All right, Hannah. All right, Kendall. I am so glad we talked this episode together, and I am so ready to go to bed. So if people wanted to tell you how ghosts are made in detail, where would they reach out to tell you that? They would contact me on Tumblr at jailbreakfame.com. Or Everything Overlord. That's my Misha blog. Oh, dumb Misha. Uh, they can contact both of us on Tumblr at Sisters Talk Brothers. And they can contact me on Instagram at Jailbreak Fiend. And Kindle, if they wanted to explain to you in detail how ghosts are made and possibly babies, how would they reach you? <laughs> oh, they would give me all the dirty details, all the stank nasty details on tumblr at kindle abroad <laughs> or on instagram at kindle 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 and if they wanted to reach the both of us at once and come on you know you want to gross hannah out more than you want to test the depths of my perversions you can reach us at sisters talk brothers at jamale.com yay does that sound like i'm saying commie like communist no okay not that communism is inherently bad. That is not how we end this show, <laughs> That is not how we end this show. So, <laughs> tune in next week for... More monsters. More brothers. And more sisters. Bye. Bye. Your favorite color. comes around. Mitch is shining. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Yeah. When he's impatient and pouty at the the the, the, the degenerates he's surrounded by. <laughs> I 
love you. I love you. You turn Sorry, it's just been so long. It's been so long. I can't even remember our ending tagline. <laughs>